Amen. Amen. It's great to see you all here this morning. Don't you feel the presence of the Lord already? Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. We've had a wonderful service already this morning, and the pastor is ready to preach this morning. He has a beautiful word for us. Amen. We are so happy that you're here today, especially if you are new in the crowd. Maybe this is your first, second time here. We just want to thank you for coming here to Stratford Heights, especially. We want to show you because we want to get out in the aisles right now and welcome you to the house of God today.
How many of you are glad this morning he is risen from the grave? Amen. Because he has risen from the grave, you and I can shout and lift our hands and worship him. And aren't you glad you're still in a country where you can freely worship him and honor him and praise him? We ought not to take that for granted. We ought to give the Lord a shout of praise in here today. Hallelujah. I'm not taking nothing for granted. Have you been watching the news? Have you heard what's going on around the world? I'm telling you, we've got to be on our guard. We've got to be, as the Bible says, sober and alert. For our adversary, the enemy, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So we don't cower down to the enemy. We decide to be strategic and fight back. I brought, we got all these kids. I want every one of you young people to make your way over here and right in the center of this altar. When all of our, our pastors and staff, if you will, I want you to meet us in the altar as well. If you're in college or high school, I want you to get out, come real quick. You're in college, high school, junior high. I want you to come as quick as you can. If you're an adult and you're in adult school, I want you to come. Do you see how many young people we have in this church? Are you not thrilled with that? Come on in. Uh, come on, guys. Way up here. Don't be shy. Jesus talked to his disciples when they were like shunning the people and telling them they, they don't need to let these kids come around. Kids just flock to Jesus. They love Jesus. The disciples were trying to tell him, y'all, stay back. But Jesus rebuked them. And he said, suffer not, the King James Version, which it really means is, hey, don't, don't tell those kids not to come around me. Jesus wanted you to come to him. He wanted you to come and be where he was. He wants you to trust him. He wants to bless you and keep you. How many of you have already started back to school? How many going this week, starting this week? How many next week after that? All right. How many are dropping out? No. <laughs> Your church, your church wants to pray for you. We want to bless you. That same scripture where Jesus said, man, don't you forbid those kids to come around me. It says Jesus brought them over to him and picked them up and laid his hands on him. He touched them. And the Bible says he blessed them. So we're going to bless you as your church right now. We're going to bless you so that when you're walking down the hallway and you're trying to figure out your locker and you're trying to figure out your class schedule, we want you to feel all of a sudden an angel standing right beside you as he walks you from class to class and he makes sure that the enemy's hiding behind the hall. We want to make sure that he has to see that old angel first. Psalm 23 talks about the great shepherd and it talks about how we walk in the shadow of the great shepherd. 
And it talks about even though I walk through the shadow of the, of the valley of death, but it all, that's just life too. And so we're going to walk in the shadow of the angels of God, and the power of God, and the Holy Spirit of God. And so he's going to be there when you get on the bus. The angels of God are going to be sitting right next to you. You might want to tell your friends, hey, scoot over, my angel's right there. How many of you know what I'm saying is true? The angels of God are going to go with you to school. That means you've got to love God and you've got to be man on it because that angel's going to be watching you all the time. When you're in the lunchroom, you've got to be cool with everybody. Let the, let the, the kids sit with you and be nice to them and don't throw food. <laughs> obey your teachers and do your homework. When you get home, obey your parents. Oh, hallelujah. Obey your parents. But I want this congregation right now. I believe this is ordered of the Lord. I believe that God's going to bless this. I want you to stretch your hands. The Bible says to lift up hands, lay hands. You can't come down here and lay your hands on them, but you can in the spirit. So I want you to lift your hands towards this altar. I want you staff and you pastors around, I want you to just start just touching them. Right there lightly on the shoulder, just find us. Youth leaders, I want you to help us. Get out here and help us with these folks. And let's begin to pray right now. Father, we come before you. We pray for every one of our kids. We pray, God, that you'll bless them and keep them. You'll protect them this school year. The enemy is trying hard to bring deception and to bring lies to their education. I pray in the name of Jesus you touch each one of them. Touch them by your Holy Spirit and protect them. Send your angels to them, God. Keep them, I pray, in the name of the Lord. And I pray that, God, when the enemy would try to bring harm to them, we pray for the protection of the Spirit of God. We plead the blood over them. Pray a hedge of protection around them. And we pray that you will put your angels before them at every class, as they get on the bus, as they leave their mama and daddy's house, and before they return. I pray they will be personally escorted by heaven. And I pray, God, that you will keep your hand on them, that they will get a good education. And God, where deception would try to dissuade them, I pray in the name of the Lord, they'll have a clear understanding of your truth. Let your word be a light under their path. I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your protection. We thank you that they're going to have a good year, a blessed year, a favored year. And God, they're going to walk in the protection of Almighty God in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe that's right to do. Amen. Praise God. I feel the Spirit of God up here. I wish you felt what I feel. How many of you do feel it? You know what I'm talking about. Spirit of the Lord is here in this house right now. Hallelujah. God, you keep our kids. You protect them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go back to your seat or you can go to children's church, whichever you desire. No, you teenagers aren't allowed to go to children's church. Make me a house. Make me a house of prayer. Lord, make me a house. 
This isn't our house. This isn't our church. This is your church. Built on the rock, Christ Jesus. Lord, you've declared that the very gates of hell will not prevail against your church. Lord, we remember and we come back to you today. As we hold the elements of communion in our hands. We will not fail to remember this is your church, purchased by your blood, your sacrifice. Our salvation belongs to you. We honor you today, and we will remember. You hold the elements of communion in your hands. This is not instituted by a church. It's not instituted by any kind of preacher. There's no, no person anywhere on earth, not even the epistles, not even the apostles. They didn't come up with this. Ladies and gentlemen, the elements you hold in your hand were birthed in the church by Jesus Christ himself. Incarnate in the flesh, he looked into his disciples' faces on the night that he would be betrayed and killed, and he took bread and broke it. He looked into their eyes and he saw failure. He saw that they would stumble and they would fall and that they would reject and defy him and even run. And he still loved them anyhow. How many of you are thankful that he loved you anyhow? I don't have anything to boast of. I don't have nothing to, to be prideful of. Except that he washed me and he cleansed me and he made me a brand new creature. And to him, I owe my life. As you hold these elements, Jesus broke the bread. And he says, as often as you eat this bread, I want you to remember, this is my body. I came from my throne, inhabited the form of a man. I lived life as a man, sinless before God, accepted by the Father. And I gave my body to be broken for you. 
says, as often as you eat this bread, you remember what I did for you. And they took the bread and they ate. How could we ever put into words our thankfulness for what you have done for us? We love you, Lord Jesus. The Bible says in the same manner he took the cup and he looked right into their eyes again and he said, this cup represents my blood, the covenant in the New Testament. This will be the forgiveness of every failure and every sin of your life. He looked at them and he says, as often as you drink this, you will memorialize, you will remember what I have done for you. Through this blood, we have been washed, cleansed, forgiven, and granted eternal life. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have healing, we have provision. Through the blood of Christ, we have protection. We have his power at work in our lives. Through this blood, you and I have the hope of eternal life in heaven. Through this blood, you and I have been given, granted salvation. He says, as often as you drink it, you remember what I have done for you. And they drank. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Lord, make me a house. Make me a house of prayer. A house of prayer. Lord, make Stratford Heights. Lord, make us a church. That's a house of prayer a house of prayer and may the fire of my altar never burn out the fire of our altars never burn out the fire of my altar never burn out make me a house of prayer my lord may the fire continue to sing this, I would ask you now, our pastors are coming, if you would like special prayer in this service this morning, I want you to make your way into the altar right now. I'm believing God's going to heal and touch you this morning. I believe it by faith in the name of Jesus. Would you come? May the fire
what the Word says. The Word says that wherever two or three are gathered together in His name, guess what? You know. There He is. How many of you know He's here this morning? He's here. I said, how many of you know He's here this morning? Hallelujah. I believe. I believe. He is here to minister because he knows he's getting ready to split that eastern sky. He's getting ready. The end is here. How many of you know the last days, we're in it. And so he's getting his church ready. He's getting, Jenny, Jenny, I want you to lift your hand up back, back there. This is Jenny. Jenny lost her husband this week, 45 years old, unexpected, not sick. God knows. She needs comfort. I want her entire church family to be lifted. I want you to say the name Jenny with me. Jenny. I don't want you to forget her. I want you to see her. And I want you to pray for her. Her heart is broken. And I want her church to pray for her. And to lift her up every day. I want God to give her strength. God knows. God knows. And we trust Him. When we can't figure out His ways, right? Charles Spurgeon said that when we can't figure out what his hand is doing, it's not always our business. We trust his heart. We trust that God knows. These ladies are praying for her. I want others right now to lay your hand on Hannah Rock. Hannah's back home from Columbus this morning, and I want us to pray for her. Hannah, we're not giving up. We're going to keep knocking on heaven's door until you are up doing the thing that God has birthed inside you, that gift of dance. We believe it. Father, would you stretch your hands toward these? Father, in Jesus' name, we believe you, Lord, for your touch on them. Touch and minister to Hannah right now. Raise her up. Strengthen her and heal her. Give her hope in her heart, God. Let her not be filled with any discouragement or any kind of anxiety. Let your work be accomplished in and through her. And I praise you and I thank you for it, Lord. Keep your hand on Jenny. Touch her with comfort and strength and be with her and the family. We pray it in Jesus' name. And we give you glory and we give you honor. The power of your love. The power of your love. We give you praise. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. Give him great praise this morning and honor him. Hallelujah. Praise God. take time to come together as a church body, pray for Israel, pray for the needs that they have currently over there. Some this morning might be wondering, why do we do this? Why do we pray for Israel? I'd like to give you a few good reasons. One is because it's the right thing to do as Christians. As Christians, we understand that it's not about us. It's about the one we believe in. We're called to be conduits of his love and his mercy and his power to the world. It's easy for us to come into church on a Sunday and focus on our needs and what we have going on in our life, but that's not what a true Christian's life is all about. Jesus taught us that we're to seek his kingdom and his righteousness and that all of our needs will be met. Our focus needs to be on him and what's going on in the world and how he can use us to meet those needs. So the biggest reason 
is because it's the right thing to do for Christians. And there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of persecution, and there's a lot of need going on over there. Also because God commands it. God tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem in Psalms 122, 6 through 9. It says, pray for, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. The Lord also said he was going to call up watchmen. In Isaiah 62, 6, so I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest. We are the watchmen that's being called for this time. And those that's been in the military understand what I'm talking about. We've been called to watch. It's our turn to man the walls. And there's a lot of need going on over there. There's difficult situations and conflict and turmoil and tragedy in Israel and the Middle East right now. And in the morning service, we was talking about Christians being sought out in Iraq and being killed for their faith. A group of Islamic radicals are seeking Christians, especially those who converted from Islam over to Christianity, and forcing them to convert back. And if they don't, they're killing them, they're killing their children, they're killing their family members. And many times, even if they do, they still kill them out of spite. There's a lot of turmoil going on over there. There's been missiles filed into Israel, people being kidnapped and shot. There's a lot of hatred going on over there. And it's all about faith because they believe in the one true God. Pastor Cameron mentioned this morning, it's easy for us here as Christians, the worst thing that happens to us we might have somebody poke fun at us or make fun of us at work because we're Christians. But there's people in this world that are paying the ultimate price for their faith. And they're dying for their faith in God. So there's a huge need for us to pray for them. We can't go physically, but we can go spiritually. We can spiritually man the walls of Jerusalem. So let's pray this morning. Lord, we come together in this place, Lord, this house of prayer. Right now, we're not focused on our needs. Lord, we're focused on the needs of those that are suffering in Israel and Iraq. Lord, I ask that you would touch, Lord, the need there, that you would minister to those that are suffering, Lord, that you would bring peace to those families, that you would bring peace to Israel, Father. Lord, and in these last days, as we see the signs of the times, Lord, that what's going on there, Lord, would wake people up and bring them to you, that they can come into a relationship with you, Father. Lord, that they could be used by you to reach others. Lord, we pray for peace. And we pray for your will that be done there, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And as our ushers are here to help us this morning, we're going to go to the Lord with our offering. We're going to honor him with our giving this morning. As he's given to us, we're going to give back to him. So let's pray over our offering. Lord, we thank you this morning for your provision in our lives. Lord, ask your blessing over this offering, that it would meet the need of this church, Lord, as we endeavor to reach our community, Lord, and the surrounding communities for you. Lord, help us, Lord, to become lights here in Middletown, Lord, that we can be beacons of love, Lord, and mercy, Lord, so people would come to you, know you, and grow into a relationship with you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amen. Woo. Well, it feels good to be in church today. I said it feels good to be in church today. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. I got 25 minutes to preach 17 pages type. Hang on. Turn your Bibles, if you will. I'll just get right to it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Going to read verses 1 through 5. Then I'm going to jump to the last book of the New Testament, Revelation. Going to read chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. Two very interesting, critical passages of Scripture. Critical because of the time that we're in now. Critical because of the truth that was being written when it was written. Paul was about ready to depart this life. He was writing a letter to his son in the ministry, Timothy. And he wanted to warn him. He felt this warning in his spirit. You can imagine Paul, the great apostle, the, the writer, the one who, who spent so much time, who had, his life had changed drastically on the road to Damascus, and he had fallen madly in love with God, and he was on fire. He lived on fire, whether in jail or chains, shipwrecked, it didn't matter. He was on fire. He stayed on fire. He didn't, he didn't just float on his emotions. He wasn't up one day and down the next. He wasn't feeling it one minute and not feeling it the next. He didn't care what happened to him. If he was hanging on to a piece of wood floating on the ocean, he said, those that stay with me will be delivered as sure as anything because an angel has appeared unto me. He didn't care where he was. In the middle of the dungeon, the deepest part of the prison, there, wrapped up next to Silas, his partner, he just decided to sing praise songs. He didn't care where he was. But here he was, the end of his life, and he's getting ready to depart. And he felt this urgency, this sense in his mind, in his spirit, that he needed to leave something for Timothy. He wanted to leave that fire in him, the truth of what he knew in his heart. It's going to be coming. Listen to what he says. But know this, Timothy, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He said, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. 
And from such, Timothy, from these people, turn away. Wow. That's pretty sharp. Then we go to the Isle of Patmos in the year AD 96. We see John the Revelator, as he's known, John the Apostle, John the Beloved, in chains on the Isle of Patmos when he receives a vision, a vision of Jesus himself. And Jesus begins to speak to him and tell him to write these things. And he tells John this about the church of Laodicea. Verse 14, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things say the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you. Imehu, Greek word that literally means, King James says spew. The word literally means vomit. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich, I have become wealthy enough, I have no need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that your shame, the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, he says, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Then he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm telling you this morning, I don't have a sermon. Josh, don't have a sermon. I have a message. I've laid awake over this this week. I've cried about this this week. I've rolled it over and over and over in my heart, and I'm here on fire this morning. I'm on fire because I know that God is up to something major. The, the, the history is changing. The times, they're changing. And I'm telling you, we are in a very pivotal, critical, strategic moment in time. This is not the time for you to look to the left or to the right. Not a time for you to get distracted or to get selfish. 
Trust in my word. Do not look to answers in this life or in this world or even in your own mind. Lean heavy. Build a proper foundation on my word. Stand, says the Lord. I will be victorious and those who stand with me shall be victorious as well. Know that I am a God of great power and I will not fail. Lean upon me today. Look to me today. Listen for me today. I am speaking, says the Lord. Will you hear me? I am speaking, says the Lord. Will you hear me? Wow. Thank you, Father, for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you. We will look to you. We will listen. And Lord, we will receive what you will say to the church. For we are your church, Lord. We are part of the church of Jesus Christ. And we honor you this morning. And we bless your name. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit. That we might honor you with our lives, with our worship. And that we will be overcomers. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. These two books are written to tell us about perilous times in the last days. As a pastor, I'm here to tell you this morning, we're in the last days. I know you hear it from me, and you will continue to hear it from me. I pray you'll not get tired of it. Someone uh, left our church not too long ago, and they told someone they ran into, they said, well, all he ever does is preach about that rapture thing and that doomsday stuff. I want somebody to give me some positive stuff. Well, let me give you some positive stuff. The rapture is about ready to take place, and the last days are upon us, and he is about ready to split the eastern sky. Understand and know that God is going to perform his word. He's going to perform his word. He is absolutely ready, and everything is lining up. And it is time for us to understand, and what has been on my heart is what I feel is a message for the church at large, not just for our church, but it qualifies here this morning. I really genuinely believe that the Lord has given me a message for you and for me, that we are to understand and know it's time for us to awake and to get sober and get alert. It's time for us to start watching as the Holy Spirit He's preaching a better sermon than me. That we get alert, that we watch, and that we listen. And that we are very aware and that we shake ourselves. That we get out of the stupor that we're in. That we get out of the idleness that we're in. 
I'm telling you, I'm going to preach a message that it'll be negative at first, but if you'll receive it in your heart, it'll end up being joy unspeakable and full of glory. It'll be something that'll bless you and touch your life. It'll be something that'll speak to your heart. These two passages of Scripture, you've got Paul preaching to his son in ministry, Timothy, and he's making sure he understands about the last days, perilous times. And then you have Jesus speaking to the churches, speaking to the church. He speaks actually in that, there in those chapters, he speaks to the seven churches. And he's speaking to all of them, and he's sending different messages. This, that he speaks to the Laodicean church, he doesn't have anything good to say to them. I mean, in the other churches, he, he gives some, some get compliments, and some say, well, well, you've got good doctrine, he says to one. He says to another, you know, I, I know that you, you're good in your works, and, and you've got good things you try to do and accomplish for others. He gets to the Laodicean church, and he more or less says, you all are failing at everything. When we look at this and we understand the brevity and the seriousness of where we are, Jesus sends out a warning to them about something that we need to really be careful of today. Something that I'm afraid, I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart to get a message to the church that I've been thinking about all week long. I wanted to pull out that old Stephen Curtis Chapman song, Casual Christian. I wanted to pull that one out, but I didn't think it'd be relevant for today. But I've been thinking about it all week long. I've been challenging in my own life and in my own heart. I've been receiving this warning and I've been doing this for weeks now, really, since we've been back from the assembly and I told you about the experience I had with God. I've been really searching out the Lord and wanting to know, I I don't want to come in here with a sermon. I don't want to come in here with just some message that that I got, you know, just reading the Bible and and while we love those things and we can get a thousand messages out of a passage, I I told God, I don't want to just come in and preach a good message from the Word. I I want to preach what you have for us, the message that comes from your heart. I want to preach that message. God laid this on my heart right here about lukewarmness. And so hear me today. I, I don't want to preach a message on, on condemnation. I don't want to put anybody down. I don't want to put myself down. But I want us to hear what the Lord would speak to us today. The early church, the early church, you would have thought that they would have had it a lot more together than we do, but we're seeing that they had their problems. The enemy doesn't come up with any new tactics. He continues to work the same old plans over and over again. And the church here had apparently gotten lackadaisical, and they had gotten lukewarm, they'd gotten casual, and they'd gotten complacent. They'd gotten half-hearted in their dedication, their commitment to the cause of Christ. They, they really were just kind of going through the motions, it says a form of godliness. I mean, they kind of go through the motions of being religious. They go through the motions and obligations. They probably paid their tithes and probably sat in church, probably made a good appearance, but they weren't really what he pointed out. They really weren't dedicated and they really weren't hot for him and they weren't even cold because he'd rather they be cold than just lukewarm. You, You know why? Did you ever ask yourself why? Probably, if you think about it, I mean, hot coffee. I I see the example of a a hot cup of coffee is really good. Or a cold, iced 
coffee is pretty good. But get one that's lukewarm, and it's nasty. It ain't good for nothing. It's the same kind of principle. If you ain't hot, you ain't cold. At least if you're cold, you know your need. You know, everybody knows what you need. You need salvation. You need the revelation of God's love, and you need to change your life. You need to repent and get a view on what real love is all about. You know your need. If you're hot, you're on fire, and you already know. But when you are lukewarm in the middle, you are just in the way. You are lazy, you are idle, you are doing nothing for nobody except standing in the way, showing people what it is to be not blessed, not favored, not represented, and you got an attitude a mile and a half long, and you live your life grumpy and whiny, and you are not an example of anybody living a victorious hot life for Jesus. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, you make me sick. Wow. You make me sick. Now, you and I can say, well, you disgust me, or you make me mad, or you did. I can handle it from you. I can't handle it from God. I want to do everything in my power to make sure I don't make him disgusted, that I don't make him sick. The early church, they faced great threat. They faced persecutions. Their persecutions were mostly from outside the church. They always, they faced these things, and and they were from the outside. They, they lived sacrificial lives. They lived in such a Christ-like manner that they were despised in the marketplace. They were, they were literally attacked and imprisoned and they were stoned and they were kidnapped and they were crucified. They lived a life and they lived a life in such a way that, that it was amazing to think about anybody ever going through that except the only problem is it sounds a lot like the news this last week. My heart has been broken over the news, over the things that we've seen. I don't know if, if you've seen them. I don't know if you've heard what's happening or you've watched any of the videos. It's terrible. It's, it's heartbreaking to see, you know, helicopters landing on a mountain over there in Iraq and fathers holding their brand new little infants and babies. And I saw this one guy taking his baby and he just chucks his baby up into the helicopter. Chucks the baby up in there looking for safety, looking ready to sacrifice his child to get that baby off the mountain. Why? Because the enemies of Israel, the Mideast all in turmoil and all upset, they're literally saying to the Christians, you either convert and bow to Islam or you get out. Because if you don't get out, we're going to kill you. And it's amazing when you see that kind of thing. I, I thought that was only for, you remember that old movie, A Thief in the Night? How many remember that from the old 70s and 80s? Only a couple of you. There was an old rapture video that was out that we would show in churches on Wednesday night. Scared me to death. You know, the mark of the beast, and, and they'd have all this tribulation, and they'd show the Antichrist, and they would show these tortures and things, and I would think, wow, that, that's scary. That's going to be a horrible time, and oh, I want to miss that. Well, guess what? We're, we're seeing some of those things. But the awesome thing about that only awesome thing about it is this Luke chapter 21 and verse 28 says and when these things begin to come to pass look up lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh so we've got some good news amidst all of the turmoil and the tragedy we got a promise that he's coming very soon but let me just tell you something it's not going to get any better I'm sorry to have to tell you this. 
if you're looking for a reprieve, if you're looking for something to change, if you're looking for things to get better and for life to go back to the 50s like it used to be or the 40s or the 30s, I'm telling you, sweetheart, that's gone for good. We're in the last days, and it's, according to Paul, perilous times, tragic times, disastrous times. We see that the winds and the waves are a mess. The economies are a mess. The countries are unsafe, and there's no place to be. Even God bless America is turning its back slowly but surely on the principles of morality and godliness and good living and even just doing right and definitely turning their back wherever they can on prayer and God and Israel. They're doing their best to get us in a place where we're going to be cursed as well. The awesome thing about that, though, is that every time you see this negative, you got to turn right around and remember that God says all through the Old Testament, Ezekiel and Isaiah, he says, God always has a people, always has a remnant who will stand in the last day. You know what I told the Lord the other day? I said, God, it looks like, I agree with Isaiah, there is no one who calls on you. It seems, Lord, like everybody is turning, hightailing, running. It looks like everything's falling apart all around us. I said, Lord, but I know your word says there'll be a remnant. And then I stopped. I turned around and I said, devil, listen to me. I'm a remnant. I'm one of the remnants. And I'm not going anywhere, not until he calls. Hallelujah. I'm a remnant. The early church lived sacrificial lives. In comparison to the church today, which, leaves, which lives superficial lives. Don't be mad at me. The early church lived at odds with the world. Now it seems like the church is in bed with the world. I'm just preaching the way I see it. I've never seen such, such free style living in all my life. You can't, you can't talk to anybody about living right or watching things right or listening to things right. It's like a free-for-all. Everybody says you got to leave people alone. Don't judge me. I don't judge you. The Spirit of God in me is saying something ain't right. When it, you can do anything, go anywhere, live any way you want to, and still call yourself a child of God. Hey, he come to set you free, to break the chains, not wrap them around and decorate them. The early church suffered persecution from non-Christians. Today, the American church, especially I say American church, got all kinds of persecution from inside the church. We fight more with one another than we do out there. We start getting to think that we're enemies. We're at odds. We're divided. I've never seen such trouble in all my life. I've never seen a time when there's more debate, even on the television, Christian organizations coming together to talk about their differences. I'm telling you, we don't have to worry about it. The devil sits back with his arms crossed. He don't have to do nothing. Everybody's out there fighting with one another, debating with one another, being at odds with one another in such a way that the body of Christ is no longer united because we spend all of our time talking about our differences. I'm here to tell you, the blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross, that's my common bond with every man and woman who calls him their Lord. And we've got to get back to the things that unite us. 
We got to get back to the things that bring us together, that make us a mighty army. I'm with David. I'm ready to defy the giant. I'm ready to defy the old enemy any way I can. He's looked back at Israel, and they were just like the modern church today, shaking in their boots, afraid. I'm telling you, I want to be in the place, Jen, when if that one of those terrorists finds me, if they come up with me with a gun, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that he'll protect me and keep my mind. Because when they point that gun at me, I want to say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the earth and world. And I'll not turn my back on him. Young people, you got to make a decision. It's time to make a decision right now that says the world behind me and the cross before me. Oh, God, help us this morning. We've got to stand. It's time for casual living to be destroyed. It's time for us to stand and once again say, in Hebrews, that writer, where is he at today? Oh, our God is a consuming fire. Where are the consumed ones in the house this morning? We sing the song, Make Me a House of Prayer. Oh, I was hoping you'd sing that today. Thank you for singing that. I wanted you to sing it. As pastor, I should have requested it. Lord, make me a house of prayer. Don't let the fire go out of my altar. Don't let me, God, get to the place where I begin to live casually. I compromise. I don't need nothing. I don't need anything. He said, oh, you make me sick. When I think about it, you know, I was talking with someone. and I don't, I don't blame them. I understand it's a stressful world. They were like, oh, don't tell me all that that's going on over there. Oh, I don't want to hear all that. It stresses me out. It makes me sad. I want to have a good day. So do they. So do they. Well, I don't want to hear all that bad news. That broke my heart. It breaks my heart. Please don't say that if, if that's something you, you've said or you believe. When we pray for Israel, we pray for Jerusalem. When we're praying for those Christians up on that mountainside, they're literally with their machetes and their guns. They've run them out of their villages and out of their homes. They've, they've taken refuge up in the mountain and they're up there waiting on a helicopter or somebody to come and get them. They're waiting on somebody to rescue them or throw them down a little water or a little food. They're waiting on anybody to come along and rescue them. You know what I was praying this week? I said, Lord, in my heart, I said, God, I know over and over and over again in your word, you set your angels around. I, I saw that little mountain where those little Christian brothers and sisters are. And I said, God, you set angels, big nine-foot, ten-foot angels all around the perimeter of that mountain. And you light torches and you hold them in contempt that the enemy defy the enemy at every turn. And God, I said, give those little Christians, give them testimony after testimony. They'll come off that mountain and yeah, some of them have been martyred. Some of them have died. They've watched their children die. But there's another going to be another whole bunch of them. Now you watch, it's going to come off that mountain and they're going to say, oh, the enemy was all around us, but God delivered us. One hand of an angel took care of us. I'm believing it. I'm praying for the Mideast. I'm praying for my brothers and my sisters. You know why you and I need to know what's going on? You know why you need to get your head out of the sand, casual Christian? 
because you have a responsibility. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens. I'm not going to let a brother on a mountaintop scared for his little baby. I'm not going to let that man stand there alone. I cannot go to him, but I can get on my knees and I can cry out to God. And I can say, Father, bring deliverance to his family. I can plead the blood over him. And that is our responsibility. We need to know what's going on because they are part of us. They're part of us, just like Israel is. We're praying for Israel because that's our heritage. That's where we come from. That's where our faith was originated. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, it'd be for them only. But oh, aren't you glad he said the Gentiles can be saved too. You and I have got that privilege and opportunity. And we need to be so on fire this morning. We need to shake ourselves. It was Isaiah who said, oh, Zion, wake up. Wake up, oh, daughters of Jerusalem. Wake up. And let the Lord reign in your lives and be led by his spirit. It's time for us to understand we are living in an hour and a day when we have got to wake up. Is that all right? We're in perilous times. We're in perilous times. Dear Lord, forgive us for a complacency while we hide under the rock instead of standing on the rock. Did you hear what I said? Seems like a lot of folks just hiding under the religious rock. I'm hiding under the rock. Get out from underneath that rock. Get up on that rock where he says the gates of hell shall not prevail against those that church that's built on the rock. When you and I understand that's the church Jesus has empowered. That's the church that Jesus is proud of. That's the church. It isn't in a particular name. It isn't a particular preacher. It isn't any kind of particular denomination. It is absolutely the church of Jesus Christ built on the solid rock. When we understand that and we stand there ready, empowered, then we're like David. We may not have much. We may not have all the gear and the armor don't fit, but we are standing there with a couple of rocks in our hands. And I told the young people this last Tuesday night, it was time and it's time for them and it's time for us to start talking back to the devil. That army stood back shaking in their boots, but old David, David, little boy David, he knew he wasn't afraid of nothing. You know why? Because he knew how big God was. How many of you know how big God is this morning? He's bigger than drugs. He's bigger than alcohol. He's bigger than adultery. He's bigger than all the game playing and hypocrisy. He's bigger than all of it. He stood before that old devil, or that, well, he was a devil. He stood before Goliath, and he said, you come at me with your spear, your sword, you come on me with all your accusations. You defy the very God of this army back here. He said, I don't have nothing else except this. I come to you in the name of him who is the God of this army. And he defied that giant. And when he stood in the face of his enemy, that guy laughed and said, I'll feed you to the dogs. And David looked up and said, watch this. <laughs> Smack right in his head. Let me tell you something. You don't need much. All you need is the name. That's all you need. All you need is the name. You got the name. You want to have victory? You want to have success? 
You want to have a complete a family in order again? Start using the name of him who can defy every enemy, every Goliath, every liar and cheater in the world. Start living in the name of God. And I'm telling you, that's where your victory's going to be. If you believe it, say amen. Y'all always wear me out. Pray that we have a burden. Lord, forgive us for our selfish greed. Forgive us for our selfie society. Forgive us for our selfish indulgence. Forgive us, Lord, that we care more about selfish pleasures than we do you. Take away our form of godliness. And give us the power. I defy a form of godliness. And I ask for the power. Crystal, when I was praying for you early this morning, real early, I said, God, I can't pray it. I don't have the evidence. I don't have my power. But you do. I said, you can touch her. I believe with all my heart he's touching you, young lady. And please forgive me. You don't like to be pointed out. I'm telling you, God's with you. And you're going to be okay. And I'm believing that that old devil, that old liar, that old spirit and disease of infirmity, he's going to have to bow to God's touch on your life. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. I want the power, God. I want the power. Now, Archer, I believe we've got, I believe we're in touch with the power of God. I believe his spirit is so present and, and he blesses us. I just want to cry. I love when I come to church. I love to come to church. But I'm telling you what, I believe in these last days, he gave this message and he says, I believe he's telling us right now. He's saying, oh, if you'll just stir up that gift in you, you'll see more than you've ever dreamed that you think this is all right, you are satisfied with this, don't be. I believe I know I'm not going to be satisfied. I don't want to be satisfied until blind eyes are really open on a Sunday morning, until deaf ears are open, until people are delivered from every walk of life and every background of life. I want God to cause us to know an anointing such as we've never seen in all 100 years. I want God to show himself powerful on our behalf. And I believe he wants to show his glory. He wants to show strength and power in the lives of his people. And I believe it's time for us to say, devil, no more doubt, no more discouragement, no more distraction. I'm not going to lay down. I'm going to get up. I might get knocked down, but I'm going to get right back up and I'm not going to be perplexed. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be torn down. I'm going to live and I'm going to live strong and I'm going to live on fire for the Lord. If you're with me right now, I want you to put your hands together and give him praise. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God, touch us this morning. Set a fire in us, Lord. Don't let us be weak and beggarly, naked and blind. Don't let us be miserable, wretched. Help us to see our plight, see our place. Put away sin. 
that sin that does so easily beset us and run this race. Help us, oh God, to set a fire in this city, in this community. Lord, well, they won't see us, but they'll see you. I pray there'll be such a light in this city of Middletown. They'll be talking about it in Lebanon. They'll be talking about it in Dayton. And oh, Cincinnati will get word. In the name of Jesus, Father, touch us by your spirit to be a church on fire. God, to not be complacent, to not be casual, to care about our brothers and our sisters, not only far away, not only on the grounds over there in the Mideast, but, oh, God, right here in Missouri, right here in Dayton and Cincinnati, right here in Middletown. Let us be concerned with how the enemy of drugs is taking down our young men and young women. Let us be concerned with, Lord, how violence is ripping apart homes. Oh, the enemy, he roars. The enemy, he deceives. The enemy, he distracts. And the enemy, he rocks us to sleep. But let the fire of my altar never go out. Let the fire of my altar never go out. The fire of my altar never go out. Oh, Lord, make us a house of prayer to pray night and day, to pray night and day, to not be about our own business, but, Lord, to be about yours, to be consumed by you till we lose control of our own minds. And Lord, we let you have complete control. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I'd ask you, church, if you got it, would you just come on down? Just make your way down to the altar. I know you're already wanting to be here. Come on down here with me.
We thought we had fire, but we're going to know real fire. We thought we were on target, but we're going to find out that we have got more to know and more to receive from him. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Touch every family. Touch every mom and every dad, every marriage. Touch all the children, Lord. Let your work be done. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hear us, God. Hear us, God. counsel you. He says, here's my solution. So come by from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. How many of you know he wants us to be satisfied and full of his fire in his life? He wants us to be rich in his things. Not talking about materialistic ways. He wants us to be rich in him. He said, come by gold from me that's been refined in the fire. You know what that means? That means he wants us to repent of the things that keep us casual. He wants us to repent. You know what they are. The things that get top priority. The things that are more important than your Bible time and your prayer time. Things that are more important than sharing your witness with others. The thing that comes before him. He said, repent. Get gold from me. Gold. And then he said, and buy from me white garments. It's time that you stop trying to be so good in yourself. You stop trying to work out your own salvation. You know how many times we've heard that. You leave me alone. Don't judge me. I'm just working out my salvation. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is doing that work. So what we got to do is we got to remember, it isn't about our garments. How many of you know you can't be good enough? You can't be good enough. You can't be clean enough, sinless enough. You can't be that. It's not in you. It's not. Some of you will go, well, thank goodness. He says, let me give you a white garment. He says, come get from me the white garment. You know what that means? We're told in the New Testament over and over again, our righteousness is as filthy rags. 
So he gives us Jesus' righteousness. He puts on a breastplate of righteousness that covers the heart and all the matters of life. He wants to give you that. He, he's telling us what to do to get out of complacency. That you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. You know, when it says you're naked, that means you don't even know enough to be ashamed of yourself. You're living this double standard life. You're living this hypocritical life. You're living this casual life. He says, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're naked. He says, but I'll give you clothing. I'll give you righteousness. And you won't be ashamed anymore. And then he says, and anoint your eyes. Because you see, the thing about it is, it ultimately comes back to this. When we live casually, when we are casual Christians, we are just nothing really more than deceived. And you've heard what I've said about deception. The bad thing about deception and being deceived is this, you don't know it. And that's the scariest place to be, is be deceived and not even know you are. So he says, anoint your eyes with the salve, the balm of his clarity. Of his what? Holy Spirit. Of his Holy Spirit. And let the Holy Spirit open up your eyes and give you a clear path on how to walk with your new garments. And he says, and be zealous. Be excited. Be happy. Be joyful. Celebrate! As you repent, and give all that to me. How many of you would say, Lord, clothe me. Put the eye salve on me. Let me have your garments. Let me have your gold. That's, that's the overcomer. How many of you today would say, I, through him, am an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. Now lift up that other hand and give him praise and honor him today. Thank you. Thank him. You'll leave here today on fire. You'll leave here today completely with a whole new outfit on. Go leave here today sanctified, brand new. Eyes cleansed by the Holy Spirit so you can see. Oh, in the name of Jesus. And before we go here today, and I know I've kept you, but before we go, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment, I'm not going to let you leave here. If you came here and you're not in the ark of safety, you are not, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you came in here and, and who knows why you came, it don't matter. What matters is that you are here and you need the Lord. You don't have him in your life. But from this service, you feel the Lord is knocking on your heart's door. And you would like to give your heart to Jesus if you are here then I want you to lift up your hand right where you are, real, real tall, and I'm, we're going to pray a prayer right where you're standing. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you, son. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? God bless you. Sir, I see you. Anyone else? Praise God for these that have lifted their hands. Is there anyone else? I need it, Pastor. I want to get right with God right here before I leave. God bless you, sister. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, little girl. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Ten seconds. Anybody else? We're waiting just for you. Are you here? I don't even know how many have lifted their hand. Let's not even worry about counting them. Heaven already took count. Let's pray. This prayer prayed with me is it's just words. If it's not from your heart, but I believe you mean it, and it's going to come straight from your heart. As it does, it goes straight into the register of heaven, and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. When you get done with this, all of heaven will be cheering. They'll be clapping. The Bible says the angels rejoice, celebrate, dance, if you will, over one that comes. We have many that are coming. So, man, there is a party and glory happening right now. So we're going to pray right now. Would you help me? Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. I repent. I accept you as my Savior. I turn from evil in my life. I want to live for you. You're the Son of God. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead. And you purchased my salvation. So I buy the gold from you. And I give you my life. And I thank you. Your word says that because I've confessed you, and I believe that in my heart, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Father, my prayer for all of us, for all of us, is that you will, you will touch us as a congregation. The Lord will find our place to serve, that we will find our place to be active, that we will not be casual or complacent, that we will not just serve you by attending or just by watching or just by being in the background. God, we want to roll up our sleeves and feed clothe and visit we want to pray we want to counsel we want to talk we want to share we want to pray for others we want to lift one another up we want to be a part of the kingdom i pray that you would touch us today set a fire in us that causes us to be so busy that we run out of jobs i pray this in the name of jesus let your work be accomplished in and through us and god we thank you for these wonderful folks that have accepted you you trusted us today to bring them to you, and I thank you for that. Bless them, help them in their work as they love you and trust you and look to you. In Jesus' name. Now listen to me just for a minute. Amen. Discipleship in our church is very vital, very important. We want to help people who accept Christ to not just make a commitment standing right there and that be it. And then we just pat them on the back, let them teach a class, and hope they're teaching the right thing. We want to help you get established in your relationship with the Lord. We don't want to pressure you. We actually want you to enjoy it and that you'll have fun being a part of it. Melissa Graw is our discipleship pastor. They have a discipleship booth that's out in the lobby today. And they have information, and they're going to be giving stuff away. If you're interested in being a part of a new small group with a bunch of other new converts where you can grow in your relationship, they talk about prayer, Bible study, how to get connected in with the, the right relationship with the Lord and how to make that happen in your life. 
They're going to give away some free resources. If you go by and just check out um, their, the, the booth today, anybody, then you absolutely, they're going to sign you up for a free gift. Drawings are given away every week. But this is just something they're wanting to push for the next three weeks. They're going to be pushing that discipleship booth. They want you to be a part of understanding how important discipleship is in our church. If you accepted Christ into your life, I especially want you to go buy that booth today because I want them to make a connection with you. You just look at them and just say, I'm one, of, I'm one of the new guys, and they'll know who you are. And I want them to hook up with you and help you and answer any questions and help you get established. How many of you know discipleship is very important? We want to raise people up to be soldiers in the army of God. And so it's important. If you would go buy that booth yourself, even if you've been a Christian for 65 years, go buy that booth and say hi to them. And let them know you're supporting discipleship and you can help them in any way you can. Over the next several weeks, we'll be, we'll be talking a lot about discipleship. It's in your bulletin. Pull that sheet out. Take that home and look at it. Pray for the discipleship program because they're the ones on the front lines. They're helping our new converts to get saved, to get established. So God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Go and have a wonderful afternoon in the Lord.